Welcome to the debate at Newsweek. I'm Andrew Tallman. Today we're going to be talking about everything from Scott Adams' recent comments and the reaction to them to the updated version of the Roll Doll Classics and a bill filed in Florida that would dramatically affect education, HB 999. Joining me today for our conversation, we have Leslie Marshall, a political analyst and national radio host and a Fox News contributor. Leslie, welcome. Thank you. Also, Amani Wells and Yoha, political organizer and director of operations at Soul Strategies. Welcome, Amani. Hey, y'all. And Jeff Charles, host of a Fresh Perspective podcast, contributor for Red State and Liberty Nation. Jeff, welcome to the debate. Hello there. Glad to be here. Great to have you. We're going to start with you because you are the author of the first article we're going to talk about dealing with Scott Adams' comments on this YouTube podcast that have now wound up getting, I think, think most, if not all, of his Dilbert syndicated cartoons uh, removed from newspapers around the nation. Your perspective on what he said and the reaction to it. Yeah, that, that was uh, when I first saw his comments, I knew what he was doing. See, the thing is, if you've listened to Scott Adams for a while, you know that he says things specifically to stir the pot. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, yeah, this is Scott doing it again. But this one might go a little bit worse than the other times have. I've listened to his subsequent interviews when he had one with Hotep Jesus. He did other podcast episodes as well, kind of clarifying what he was trying to do. I don't necessarily think that that was the way to go about it. Uh, there are better ways to start a conversation and to start dialogue. Uh, but I do think that that's what he was trying to do. And my other thing is that the poll itself that he was basing it on was way faulty. Um, and I and I knew that when I even first saw it. But when I got to actually take a look at the numbers in that poll, they basically only polled 130 black people, 47 percent of which uh, either said they were not sure whether it's OK to be white or disagreed with the statement. So th that adds up to about a little over 60 people. And that's somehow supposed to reflect the over 40, uh, 40 million African-Americans living in the United States today. The whole thing was flawed from the get go. And I saw the, what usually happens. You saw all these influencers using those results to further more of the division that we have in America today, which was very, very disappointing, to say the least. Um, in the subsequent conversations that I saw Scott have, um, I, I, I thought they were interesting, but this was an opportunity to really have more of these conversations because we really don't. We just yell at each other all the time. And so sometimes being provocative is necessary to get people's attention. But I think now people are more focused on what he said in that first video than they are on actually having conversations about race relations. Amani, when you saw the comments, uh, I don't know who all listened to the entire conversation. <laughs> I actually sat down and watched the full middle segment of that one YouTube video just because I wanted to always get context. I want to make sure yeah. that I mean the full comments as opposed to the excerpt or whatever. But uh, Amani, what did you think when you saw this? It came off to me as just blatantly racist. There's really no other way to ma manipulate the situation. And I do agree that these are conversations that need to be had. We have Congress people who are calling for quite literally a separation of the states and going by and having the division that we had that could reignite quite literally a civil war. So clearly the um, energy of the country is in a place where there's a lot of dissension. There's a lot of just chaos between a lot of people with differing opinions. So I do agree agree that conversations pertaining to race need to be had, but there's all about the intentions when you're going into the conversation. And I don't believe that being provocative is 
the best way to start a conversation around something that's already such a very sensitive and sore subject for a lot of people. It's one thing to say, hey, guys, race is an issue in this country. Let's talk about it. Let's be honest. You can go into it with an open heart and an open mind and have a real dialogue, which is very necessary. But when you go into it um, with such a negative spin and you're already ready to say, let's get rid of the blacks, um, that's not a good way to start a conversation like that. So whether his intentions were pure or not from his commentary, to me, it doesn't seem like they were. But if they were, there's a million other ways to go about having that conversation and go about letting each side be heard and really have being authentic about the intentions and having solutions. That's a different conversation than just saying what he said. Yeah, you know, it definitely seems like uh, at the very least, whatever your take is on what he said, uh, I think most people would say he could have been a little smarter in how he did it. Yeah, <laughs> Substantially smarter. You know, if, if it was, as Jeff said, to be provocative. There's a lot of different ways to do that that might have been more effective. Leslie, uh, your thoughts? Well, in case you haven't noticed, I am a white girl on the panel and didn't have a choice in that color uh, at birth. Um, look, um, it was uh, I agree with the money that it was racist and it was racist toward both whites and blacks. I, I mean, you know, to, to ask, I'm sorry, how stupid a question, you know, do you think it's OK to be white? Well, hello, I don't have a, a choice. You know what I mean? Um, I don't really like being white, hence my tanning to the point that I'm probably going to have skin cancer at some point in my uh, my life. Um, but, you know, the conversation on. And I would also agree with Jeff's point can't be had when we're so hung up on the headline and the soundbite that is put out there for sensationalism. Look, the folks at Rasmussen, I know them, they're nice people, but there is a reality to different polling groups. And Rasmussen is is pretty much a very conservative, uh, well, you know, polling group. Secondly, polls right now really can't be trusted. And I say that as a Democratic strategist and a political analyst who crunches these numbers all the time uh, because the methodology has changed so much and there are different ways to reach so many different segments of the population, so many ways the question is phrased that could make an individual group, an individual or a group, whether it's whites or blacks, come off sounding much different than their intent based on solely the way the question was posed. And I, I think what we have here um, is it reminds me of, uh, you know, I've been doing talk radio over 30 years. And back in the day, we would call it shock jock. Right. So mm -hmm. this is I think that's what he was doing. He was doing shock jock. But the difference is this isn't those days and things have changed. Uh, the demographics of our country, I'm not saying it was ever right for him to say something like that, but I'm saying, you know, Howard Stern, for example, back in the day, you know, back in the day, I used to go, you know, uh, like example, instead of talk about, well, I'm in favor, um, you know, of a woman's right to choose. I'm pro-choice. Back in the day, I used to be, it's my body. And if I want to take a coat hanger, dot, 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 and the phones would ring and everybody would get all crazy and the ratings would go up and everybody would make a lot of money. And that's what we've come down to now is this shock jock mentality to Amani's point, whether it be an MTG in our house of representatives, um, whether it be a creator of a cartoon, uh, whether it be a news anchor, the list goes on. A lot of people are looking to have their name trending in social mm -hmm. media and not realizing perhaps or maybe do realize and don't care the ramifications and the weight of their comments and how offensive and dangerous uh, those comments can be. Yeah. And it seems like, uh, you know, going back to the shock jock kind of metaphor that there's a value in that to a degree because you're creating conversation, not at all obvious to me that what Scott Adams did here created conversation other than the conversation about whether he should be banned from publishing. That seemed to be immediately where this went is, should he be deplatformed from all of these newspapers? I didn't hear anybody really talking about the basic question he was trying to address 
of, well, if this group of people thinks that this other group of people is not okay, what should that other group of people do? I mean, that might be an interesting question, but his way of approaching it didn't really raise that conversation, which is what you're getting at, right, Jeff? Exactly. I mean, in in 2023, outrage sells. I mean, outrage probably sells even more than sex does these days. I mean, you make people angry, then it's easy. One, it's don't, very- don't undervalue the appeal of sex. Just let's be cautious about that. <laughs> wait, no, no, wait a minute. I like Jeff. I want to. Can I quote this tonight with my husband? You know, I have it on authority that outrage is <laughs> where outrage we should be at, better. honey, not sex. I'm too tired. As long as you don't it's tell them where I live. Moment. <laughs> moment. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's true. I mean, and it is unfortunate because uh, you're right, Andrew. Everybody's focused on should Scott be canceled? Should he not be canceled? Oh, was what he said racist or was it just being provocative? No, the conversation should be on these matters. I mean, some people have taken this and actually used it to have more productive conversations, which is which was a good choice to make. I was on a Twitter space with Sonny Johnson, who's a conservative commentator, a couple couple days ago, and that was a very productive conversation that she had from a conservative Republican perspective. But that's not what's happening overall. And that's why you have to be careful when you're using outrage. Like what Leslie said, it's not like it was back in the day. I mean, I I, I remember a, a radio show called a radio talk show host, my favorite actually named Phil Hendry. And mm-hmm. he did satire. Phil, all the- Phil lives in Encina right here in L.A. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, I said, hi, I'm, I'm a big fan, but I don't know if he could do what he does to did then today because people get too angry. And then you worry about having it spilling over. I'm um, spilling even over into violence. It's just it's like we're a powder keg right now. And you've got a lot of influencer influencers who are being very irresponsible with their platforms. It seemed to me, uh, Amani, when I was uh, looking at this kind of as an episode in American culture, right, that um, it followed a very familiar pattern. He says things that are offensive, outrageous, unacceptable, however you want to categorize it. And instead of anybody really having a conversation about the merit of the ideas or the truth value of the assertions, it was almost immediately to a, well, that categorizes as outrageous. And therefore, the real conversation we ought to be having is, should he be excluded from civil public discourse? I myself am always interested in the ideas. Uh, I don't like pushing people out of the public space. I am willing to talk to almost anybody. But do you think we're too quick to categorize something? Well, that's sexist. That's racist. You know, that's unacceptable. Therefore, or should we be talking more about, well, is there anything here worth talking about, Amani? I think this is a perfect situation that just kind of puts a spotlight to where we are as a nation as a whole. And that outrage and narratives is really all people have left in order to feel like they can get something done. People are tired of their lives being the same. The laws haven't changed. There's no health care. The schools is going away. Our country is quite literally crumbling around us. And I feel like people get caught up in the outrage of something or having to comment because that's the only way that they can have an outlet. That's the only way that they can feel like they can get direct change is getting somebody canceled because, okay, you did this. Here is a result. You know, cause equals effect. Like that's one of the only ways I feel like people are feeling heard because I think our legislators overall, just the system as a whole isn't working. And it's been in this weird pause for a while now. And I think that's where this whole outrage culture comes to be is because people are looking for things to get done. And this is one way that they can take something into their own hands and get something done. I think that's why we're not doing what we need to do, which is get to the meat of the issues, because the meat of the issues are unfortunately something that can't be addressed by us on 
this call. The meat of the issues is something that's going to have to be addressed legislatively in Congress, in our municipal courts, in our with our DAs, in our city councils. That's where the meat of a lot of these issues lie. And we can't do anything about that. But what we can do is have a comment or send a tweet or get somebody canceled. That's what we can do. So that's what people do. Leslie, I'm curious what you guys think about the decision to deplatform or take him out of the newspapers. I mean, his comments are what they are, um, but they're not reflected particularly in the comic strip, you know, the product that he makes. Do you think it was right for newspapers to take him out of syndication? Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff to unpack here. First, with Amani, um, I would agree about this isn't how we get things done, but I would disagree that this is the motivation for why people are doing it. Um, I no offense, I respectfully disagree that, you know, I know I don't buy that. Um, I think people are doing it to have their 15 seconds of fame or to get it's I really feel like MTG, for example, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, she'll be like, oh, my my name hasn't been trending for two or three days. You know, what do we got? You know, so I'm going to I'm going to talk about divorcing the country. Uh, let's bring back videos. And when she asked people to execute Democrats, I think that's the latest one we've got yeah, going yeah. out there. Right. So um, I wouldn't agree that, you know, that's uh, the intention. What I feel is that people are feeling people feel comfortable to say things you wouldn't dare say. Mm-hmm. People feel comfortable to say things you thought and you didn't say. And we'd all be at a dinner party, a cocktail party with all these people around us, you know? So it's sort of like, you know, we let the ugly, you know, out of the can. Uh, to your question, Andrew, uh, regarding canceling him, two things, uh, three things on that. One, yes, there's the First Amendment. Yes, private companies don't really have to abide by the First Amendment that does cover hate speech. And any company is a company. Right. Any company. So they care about their bottom line. So if, you know, people are going to protest Dilbert and cost them money from a business standpoint, it was the right decision. However, when people say, oh, you know, we're going to cancel them, you know, almost everybody, even the Dixie Chicks comes back. I'm old enough to remember when Bill Maher had a very popular show on ABC. And after 9-11, he said something that made a lot of people's skin crawl. I got to tell you, it made my skin crawl, but it was a conversation we should have had. And what happened? He got fired. Here he's doing pretty well at a place called HBO, making more money than he made on ABC. You know, people try and, uh, you know, cancel me all the time because I'm a liberal, uh, one of the liberal voices on Fox News Channel. Um, and the conservative uh, audience, uh, you know, uh, the more conservative audience um, from Fox will try and cancel me all the time. You know, my bosses aren't going to cancel me because somebody on Twitter doesn't like what I say. You know, that's the idea <laughs> you have to have different you know, opinions, you know, and sometimes arguing with one another. So um, if anything, um, getting rid of him might have helped him and, right. uh, you know, further down the road. You know, or maybe this was his uh, parting shot. I don't I don't know. You know, maybe he was just like, I don't really care. He's been doing this a long time and he's he's ready to move on to green. He said as much. Yeah, yeah, Jeff, go ahead, because that was something he brought up. And certainly he's, you know, well into his productive earning years and he's made an enormous amount of money off of Dilbert. You know, what cost if he was thinking about giving up the drawing anyway? Right. Yeah. And he said as much in his interview with Hotep Jesus. Um, Scott has a few money. And like I said, there's I've listened to him for a long time. So, again, when I first saw that, I, I knew what he was doing. He, there's there's a method to his madness. So, uh, did, I mean, as far as him getting canceled from newspapers, I mean, that's a free market decision. So they can decide whether they want to associate with him or not. And he, uh, he knew he was going to get canceled. I guarantee you he knew that this was going to happen. He may not have uh, foreseen 
all of the fallout. I don't think he did. But this basically what's happened is what he would have predicted. So somebody as savvy as him in all things social cannot possibly have been surprised by this reaction. Nope, he's not. He's not. And, and and he has said as much. But to me, it's just like, what what are you leaving behind when you drop a bomb like that and you get people trying to capitalize on it? And I agree with, with Leslie's point that people say these things because they want clout, kicks and cash. I call that the three C's. That's what these influencers <laughs> want, whether they're in Congress, whether they're whether they're on social media or elsewhere. They want clout, clicks and cash. They're not very interested in advancing the conversation or working towards solutions because it doesn't pay as much unfortunately. You know, uh, Amani, one of the things that I uh, this makes me think about is when somebody buys a newspaper, they're not buying the Dilbert comic, right? To the degree that people are still buying newspapers, right? Um, And so the newspaper is a weird product, right? Because it's made up of a hundred different contributors and you know, you can't express your support for this comic or that editorial. You get the whole thing. And so when the newspaper is making its decisions about what to carry, they have to make the overall question, right? That's when they've got to think about what sells in the overall. As a, and I love what Leslie said about, uh, you know, and Dilbert may have actually raised <laughs> its awareness. How many people under 30 were like, Dilbert, what's that? I'm kind of curious now, right? Maybe it was good for awareness in that sense or something. So I don't know. You, your your final thoughts on this, Elmani? Um, I agree with Leslie 100%. <laughs> A hundred percent as well. And definitely he made himself a martyr with this. Like he either wants to go off and start a new career and get him a Fox slot or something like he's being very, he could have been doing something very calculated because just like uh, you were saying, Jeff, it pays to be insane. Okay. Insane is the currency of the day. The crazy you are, the more rowdy you get, the more money and attention people throw your way. So it very much could have been a calculated move or it could have been his final, you know, F you to the industry. I'm about to go retire in my cabin in the mountains somewhere and go live off the rest of my days. It could have been either one of those. I do just have one real quick. I want to go around and get you guys reaction to this. It made me think about some of the um, actors and actresses that I know who have become very outspoken politically, sometimes in very offensive ways to Christians, conservatives, whatever. And what I thought is when I watch those people on the screen, I don't not watch their movies because I disagree with their politics. I don't filter things that way. I just care that they're a great actor, but I'm kind of aware of it in the back of my mind. You know, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I I really like Susan Sarandon as an actress, but and I really love Scarlett Johansson as an actress. But, you know, and so it doesn't stop me, but it's kind of there. I'm curious, do you guys react to, for example, actors or actresses that, you know, disagree with you politically? Does that ever factor into your enjoyment of their product? For me, some people, yes, I will personally cancel somebody like, uh, for instance, we had this whole Tory Lanez thing. I will never listen to that man again. I got rid of him when the accusations came out. R. Kelly stopped listening to him a long time ago. There are certain things that if somebody does, I don't I'm not one of those. You can separate the art from the artist. You can't because if you've done something crazy, Kanye, you know, certain people, it's like, unfortunately, I have to throw the whole person away. So I believe that, yeah, you do take those things in consideration. And sometimes I feel like giving them that stream or that view is kind of co-signing certain things. And I don't want to co-sign certain behaviors. <laughs> Got it. Leslie, do you react to actors and actresses based on what you know their private beliefs are compared to what they're doing on screen? Absolutely. Amani, R. Kelly as well. I believe I can change channel. And okay. it's sad because it's such a beautiful song. Um, it's funny you said that because he was in my head. And um, also, Andrew, Susan, Susan Sarandon. I'm sorry. I just as a feminist and as a Democrat, 
Um, you know, I feel that Donald Trump became our president because the Bernie Sanders supporters, you know, w- wouldn't stop their temper tantrum. Uh, and, you know, I'm a, and I'm a Democrat that, you know, says that I think Hillary Clinton would have been you know, our president if they hadn't sat home um, or voted for Trump despite them. And, uh, you know, one of the things uh, Republicans do so well is they unite. They held their nose. They voted for Trump. Uh, so D- Democrat Susan Sarandon should have held her nose and voted for Hillary Clinton, especially as a, a woman, you know, to support the first woman that we still haven't had yet uh, as president. Um, you know, the list. Oh, God, the list goes um, on and on. Um, I Snapple, I didn't drink because of Rush Limbaugh. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, wow. yeah. Um, uh, Mel Gibson um, stopped uh, watching his film or buying films when he had went on his anti-Semitic rant. Um, you know, I, I could come up with more. Yeah, I'm I'm very much. Um, look, we all screw up. I certainly have screwed up. But there are consequences and ramifications to everything that comes out of our mouths. And if you've got a camera rolling, you know, a microphone in front of you, you have a bigger responsibility. Frankly, that's interesting to me because I, I just don't engage with uh, their product that same way. I really almost kind of force myself to ignore their private expressions of political or whatever rancor. I, it, it might irritate me if I think about it, but I still try to say, look, that's their view and this is their product. I'm consuming their product, not their personality to the degree that they're separable. Jeff, what's your reaction? I'm, I'm just I'm curious. It's interesting to hear how Leslie and Amani react to these things, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, for political differences, I probably wouldn't personally uh, cancel somebody, uh, maybe with some exceptions here and there that I couldn't think of right now. But in general, it has to be something extreme like R. Kelly. Like, I can't listen to his music anymore because that's what's always going to be in in my head. And so in general, I I don't do that. uh, But because I because I usually can separate the art from the political views. And honestly, I don't really I mean, I'll have friends that have different political views from me. So I don't think that people should be canceled for that. I mean, like, ironically, like the Mandalorian season three is starting today and Gina Carano is not going to be in it. I think that's sad just because she said something that people disagreed with. I mean, unless it's like way extreme, way out there, then I'll I'll probably still consume the product. It's if it's a good product. Yeah, I I tend to be that same way, but I know we don't all see it. That's why I wanted to ask the questions. I appreciate the uh, perspectives of of Leslie and Imani. We're on the debate. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Roald Dahl and whether updating kids' books to be inoffensive is the strategy for the future here on the debate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the debate. Joined today by Leslie Marshall, Amani Wells on Yoha, and Jeff Charles. Uh, if you don't love Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the BFG, the witches, and all of the other wonderful, cantankerous, obnoxious, offensive, entertaining, captivating children's books and some movies that came from Roald Dahl, Well, we can still be friends, but we're probably not going to be close friends. Uh, Nevertheless, uh, as you all are well aware, we had this recent update. And um, just a a quick thing that the stories about the changes to these books 
have very under described the level of intrusion. I mean, it's like hundreds of edits. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Tommy TV doesn't have guns anymore anywhere in the book. The guns are all removed and words like fat are removed and all kinds of other things like this. But let's start with you, Imani. Um, when you saw this story, what did you think? Did you think like this was an appropriate thing for Puffin to be doing with their books? Or did you think, oh, no, <laughs> they're changing these classics? Um, there's this the first thing that comes to mind is like it's it's getting weird. <laughs> like things are getting weird. And that's the best way I can describe it, because it's all a slippery slope. I know we're going to get into this a little bit later, but like Florida. Hello. There are things that you can do that set up the standard for worse things to happen. And I feel like getting into the whole editing books thing, it's it's getting a little authoritarian-ish, you know? Um, we have to remember that people have autonomy. If you don't like what's in the book, don't read the book. It's that simple. Like, you don't have to read the book. Who, who thought, you know? So I think there are some things that are actually offensive that we have to update with the times. You know, there's words that people used to uh, call people that look like me that you can't say no more, you know? There's things that have to change, but at the end of the day, um, there's still autonomy. So we just have to be aware of decision making because the same logic goes into um, when we're trying to police people's gender identity and sexual orientation. Like it's a slippery slope. So leave people alone and let them decide what they want to do and how they want to do it. That's my opinion on it. Yeah. Authors write their works. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I write something, I'm very protective of it. Like I hate the idea of imagining that somebody might come along later and, you know, make it a little bit different, less uh, offensive or whatever they might do. Pre-publishing, fine. Post-publishing, leave that stuff alone. <laughs> Leslie, what do you think? Well, there's some again, there's just so much here. Um, and uh, Amani, you did it. So I'll bring up the the F state, Florida. You know, there are pictures that are online of uh, empty bookshelves in libraries in Florida. And, you know, Florida and many of these states that are pulling books off the shelf have one have some of the highest illiteracy rates in the United States. Mm-hmm. I remember um, there was a time where Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn uh, were being removed because of uh, the N word. Um, the N word is offensive, but you can't know how offensive it is if you have no exposure to it at all. Um, and, you know, look, I, I mean, how ridiculous are we going to get in The Wizard of Oz? A, a witch melts and a girl clicks her pretty red glitter shoes saying there's no place like home. And I know that you all going to try this, but you won't go home, Kansas or otherwise, if you buy a pair of red shoes. In other words, you know, there there are books out there that are fiction and they're meant to be. They're fantasy. There are books that have life lessons. There are books that show how we've evolved as a society, right? How much we've changed as a society. Um, you know, uh, Mein Kampf is disgusting. Adolf Hitler was disgusting, but I've read it. Knowledge is power. And I would agree with Amani. This is a very slippery slope. Just one thing. And I know people are going to say, ah, you know, and uh, Andrew, you know, you know, I, I have Jewish. I have one Jewish parent, one Christian parent. Crystal knocked. What's one of the first thing they say did? They burnt all the books. It's yeah, and, very uh, dangerous. And another thing in societies, our country, um, they 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 what what do they, they do with girls? The Taliban does it with girls in Afghanistan. Um, throughout the world, in the United States especially, we did it with slaves. Um, and what is that? You keep education from people. There's a direct correlation between a lack of education and crime. And um, reading can help somebody be educated, you know, even if they can't go to, a, you know, a, a second a college. And I, you know, there's a, I forgot his name. I'm just going to say this quick. 
he grew up in a very, very bad uh, section of Dallas. You might say like, you know, the ghetto of Dallas. Right. And his mother was a drug user. He didn't know his dad was. He used to he used to wrap the uh, the uh, what is it? The uh, rubber around her Plastic. so mm-hmm. she could put, you know, her syringe in and she didn't feed him. And he used to climb into a dumpster. And when he was looking for food, he used to read soup cans and cereal boxes. He used reading to get out of his circumstances, went to college, wrote a book and was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. So I'm a I have two teenage children, 14 and 15. Uh, reading can be life changing. And to Amani's point, we can choose what our children read. You know, you can if you have a problem with the school, you can say, I don't want my kid reading that or you yourself don't have to read that. But isn't this 2023? How backward are we going to go as a society? You know, it, it, we're dumbing down our society. It's it's a very frightening, slippery slope to Amani's point. Yeah, you uh, you don't have to bother burning books if you can just change what they say, right? <laughs> you know, uh, make, them, make them into exactly what you want. It's actually the first step to burning, in my yeah, opinion. Right. <laughs> by, by the way, just a, a side note, the Florida thing with the books being removed, most of those pictures turn out not to be what the headlines say they are. Um, but it's a it's a long backstory to why they were that way. But yeah, I mean, I live here. Of course, this is, you know, I'm we're watching all of this stuff unfold in real time. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts about the sanitized, nicer, less obnoxious version of the Rodal books? Yeah, being a more libertarian type, I say, you know, if the market's demanding that, then a company has to do it. That being said, where's the demand for this? Who was asking for this? Was anybody <laughs> saying, hey, we don't like Roald Dahl's book. I don't like the way Charlie the Chocolate Factory was written. Can you rewrite, re- rewrite it for us and then we'll buy the book? No, I mean, this sounds like virtue signaling nonsense. There's no reason to alter these works, just like there's no reason to pull the N-word out of Huck Finn. It is absolutely absurd. And I don't, I, I honestly, I don't, like who who's the guy that sat down at the meeting table and said, I know, let's go ahead and, and read <laughs> these books to make them more, more, more kid friendly or, or make them more uh, a 2023. Who, who was the guy that did that? I want to talk to that guy because this, this, this makes absolutely no sense. And yes, it does. It is a slippery slope. It always is. None of this stuff ever happens overnight. When, when you're talking about authoritarianism, it happens. It, it's, it's, it's gradual. And it does lead to a lot of stuff that's happening in Florida. Some of that I'm not, I have no problem with depending on the circumstances, but some of the stuff that I'm starting to see and that I've been seeing and that I kind of was afraid of when the when these when these laws got passed, it's starting to happen. Mm-hmm. But I, what I thought was fascinating was the the company that I guess got used to do the consulting on the Road Doll books. They came out with a statement that said something to the effect: "It's I don't have it right in front of me, but it was we didn't actually." say these were the edits to be made. What we did was we provided the sensitivity consultants who helped make the edits. And what world, (laughs) what world exists in which you go out and you hire sensitivity consultants to teach you how to rewrite classic children's books? I mean, it's an amazing thing. So, so we all, I think kind of agree about this, which means there's not a lot of tension here, but that's also a good news note. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing I thought was fascinating is, I'm wondering whether the people who made the changes, the people who recommended the changes, did they really believe that this was better or did they believe they were supposed to believe that this was better? You know, did they actually look at the edits and think, man, it is better to say it this way? Or were they like, man, yeah, I guess we gotta, (laughs) you know, I want to hope that that's the case. Uh, Amani, do you think they really embrace this internally at, uh, you know, Penguin Puffin? 
No, people are just doing things to do them at, some, at this point. Like Jeff, really, I'm laughing because I asked myself the same thing. Who are making these decisions? And again, what is the motivation? What are you trying to achieve? There's so much going on in the world right now that is just for show. And I'm quite frankly, sick to death of it. Do something real. Do something that matters. Who? Can, first of all, exactly what Leslie's saying. Y'all not reading anyway. Okay, so we need to make books as available as possible. If you want to read a book on whatever random, um, obscure thing, do you boo? At least you're reading. At least you recognize words. At least you can write. I was a teacher at one point and the kids can't even spell their names, y'all. It's getting very scary. So, yeah, while we're in here trying to randomly decide that we need to be what? I don't even know. <laughs> like, it's not making any sense. So like, yes, let's focus on something real. Let's have a new strategy. Maybe they're trying to get a little, again, clout attention, trying to make their way back into the, the main sphere of people. Maybe they're going to write a new book or something. And they thought this would be a good way to get attention. Whatever the motivation is, it's silliness. <laughs> so I find myself suddenly feeling apprehensively guilty because every time, okay, you know, every time one of these stories pops up and we get all engrossed in conversing about how atrocious, atrocious and weird and terrible it is. And then it turns out to be a marketing ploy. What are the odds? Hi. <laughs> what are the odds that Penguin Puffin really did this because <laughs> rolling in the cash because all of a sudden sales of Road Doll, the classic version or the heavily sanitized version are going to go through the roof. They're pulling it- a Scott Adams. That's what they're doing. <laughs> right. Right. Is this just the same thing? Different clothes? Leslie, what do you think? No. Yeah, I mean, he I is a it, right? very, very, uh, you know, the thing that he does is adults like him and children like him, um, <laughs> you know, so everybody, oh, everybody I know has at least one of his books, you know, in their library on their shelf. Um, I hear you, Andrew, but I'm going to save my grassy knoll for another conspiracy theory, but not that one. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I don't think it's that. But I, 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 to your point about the meeting, I think what's sad is you know, ah, back in the day, um, we, you know, there was a time people would say, hey, we have this complaint. Um, let's ferret it out. Right. Let's, you know, research it. Let's investigate it and make a decision. Now, I think it's like well, three people in Mississippi are angry about this book change. <laughs> and, you know, right. and I think it's just because we, you know, that four letter word fear. I, I think we just you know, so many people, they live in fear. They live. The, they fear the book sales will go down. So to me, it's like when the book sales go down, then you cannot panic, but you just have to change course. Maybe I'm not sure that's the w- right way to change course. Maybe you market it to you know a different audience, but. I, I, you know, again, it's the bottom line, but I don't even think they get to the point where the bottom line is effective. They're making these decisions without any kind of a research focus group that says what's going to happen, you know, if they don't make these changes. And and they kind of look like an ass, don't they? I mean, it's like, here's the book. Here's the change book. We're going to go back. No offense, because I love Coke Zero. But remember, there was real Coke for five minutes, right? (laughs) There was Coke. There, see, Imani doesn't even remember. Uh, there was Coke. That's <laughs> right. how that's how fast it was, Imani. There was Coke. There was real Coke. There was Diet Coke, and then real Coke just went away, right? <laughs> and you know, it's it's kind of funny. I, I I did manage to find that paragraph. They called them inclusion ambassadors. The uh, Inclusive Minds is the company they consulted with, and they said we don't edit or rewrite text or produce sensitivity reads, but we do provide a network of inclusion ambassadors who consult based on their own lived experiences. 
So that's who was hired in this case to make sure that. And they're 23. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to say that. You yeah, know, they, I don't yeah, care like about your lived experience. This is Roald Dahl. I don't care about what your lived experience is. Let people read Roald Dahl the way he wrote it. If they want to. Exactly. What is that? Like, y'all, am I the only one? I'm sick of all this. Y'all too sensitive for me. Everybody too sensitive for me. Okay. And you, <laughs> you know, know what, it, what it reminded yeah, me of? They're making us more sensitive. Very much as, you know, kind of we talk about like freedom in the classroom, right? Academic freedom. And you know, all the teachers I know are the same way. They don't want to be told what to say, what not to say. We'll get to Florida in a second. But the idea that somebody would make you say a certain set of things, well, that's what they've done to Rodal, right? They've gone back and after his death, they've put words in his pen that he would not have wanted that he expressed it's censorship he no matter how, how you know how, what color bow you want to put on it you know i was just thinking about god i'm going to age myself here but one of my favorite books was the judy bloom series and i think it uh-huh. was ralphie or something that they named the, the the guy's penis right i mean i would have never had that book i wouldn't have never been able to read that book for crying out loud are you there god it's me margaret talking right? about menstrual cycles i mean come on hey we're going to take a real quick break when we come back my home state of florida and a bill filed actually by a pretty good friend of mine, a state legislator. We'll talk about it here on The Debate. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to the debate. Uh, Florida House Bill 999, uh, second bill in a week that's made national news from actually my state legislator, who is actually a pretty good friend of mine. And I've I've talked with him about some of these things Um, before we get into talking about what the bill, uh, whether the bill is a good idea, a terrible idea, what it does. It's worth noting. This is a follow up to what the legislature did last year where the legislature basically said you cannot teach things that teach one race or one gender is better than another, that one is inherently racist or sexist, uh, that you should feel guilty about things of the past done by people of your appearance or your immutable characteristics. So this is really a follow up to that, saying we're not going to have anything in the university that teaches those concepts, just like you, uh, which is actually part of the bill originally. This one does things like it requires periodic review of the mission to make sure it fits that law, Uh, bans uh, gender studies, critical race theory and intersectionality as majors because those things fall under that law, Uh, prohibits diversity, equity and inclusion statements and um, programs to be funded because they kind of fit within the scope of that law and allows for a review of tenure at any time after a professor has already been granted it and puts hiring in the hands of the board of trustees or the president, as opposed to among the faculty and a bunch of other stuff. There's a lot to the bill, but let's start first with you, Leslie, when you see this bill, when you read it, when you think about the implications for higher education, uh, you're a big fan, right? (laughs) Oh boy. 
Florida. <laughs> I love Miami. Lived there for years. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Just all the Republican conservative legislators, your governor, you know, your your your, your state seats. This is crazy. I mean, your state is proposing. Right. Did you know in in Florida you cannot buy a bottle of wine that's more than a gallon? Now, you can buy five one gallon bottles. Right. But we're deleting that. There's a bill. I know. But the fact you're even doing that, when you look at your illiteracy rate, your crime rate, your high school dropout rate. I mean, I mean, just the list just goes on and on. Okay, one, two. um, You also have legislation that was recently proposed, I believe, this week that would get rid of Democrats. There would be no Democrats based on the legislation. I saw that this morning. Uh, This is in your house. I'll send you the article. I'm uh, curious. That's not one I'm um, familiar with, particularly. And uh, then um, to your point, sorry, who does this? You I mean, this is not a priority. Critical race theory is exactly the type of course that should be offered at a college level, because in college is when you have the most critical theorizing time of your life in in, in your academic life, in, in your studies. Um, the the idea that we're not supposed to talk about slavery because it's ugly and makes white people look ugly. The idea uh, we're not supposed to teach about the Holocaust because, you know, people may feel negatively about Germans. Are we not supposed to talk about how we treated Native Americans because, you know, people who are descendants of the pilgrims on the Mayflower just, might just be offended. This, you're putting, you're putting everybody in the closet. You're saying, don't say gay. You're also cutting off an entirely huge voter base, the LGBTQ voter community, uh, not just in Florida, but on a national level around DeSantis, if you plan on running, hello. Um, and I mean, they're they're more than 10% of the voting block right now. So I, I just, I don't understand where this comes from. Again, this is going backwards. This is not, this is the, obviously it's not tolerance. It's discriminatory. It's prejudicial. It's homophobic. It's racist. Uh, the, the list goes on. And there are such bigger priorities in Florida, in every state. Look at your prison system. Look at your education system. You know, I, I mean, I, I mean, how, how many people are having trouble getting medication? Are seniors having trouble making the ends meet with that? you know, secondary insurance to Medicare. I mean, I can go on and I can name a hundred things that are more important than somebody who, who may be uncomfortable with some of the subject matter. And what Amani said earlier, if you don't have to read it, you don't have to take it. Now, one quick thing, because people are going to say, well, I don't want my tax dollars going toward that. There are people that don't drive that pay tax dollars to pay for roads. <laughs> okay. There are people that don't have children that pay tax dollars that pay for public education. When you were in a society, you were going to pay taxes in this society and something at some point is going to go towards something you may never use. And that's part of the deal to be a part of this society. And just to go back to one thing you mentioned about the teaching of, for example, the Holocaust or of slavery or of these, you know, problematic events in our history or horrible events in our history. The teaching of them is actually mandated by the state. It's the teaching that. Because you're white, you're responsible for it, or that because you're a man, you're responsible for it. That's just like now that may be a difference without uh, or distinction without a difference to some people, but that's just it is mandated to teach them. It's the way they're taught that is the issue. Uh, Jeff, when you saw this law, did you think hallelujah finally, or did you think oh god, Florida, no, please stop, not again? I think that Bill nine 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 needs to be flipped upside down. Um, <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> here's the thing. I mean, with the stop woke act. 
Uh, there's a lot of lies being told about it. It isn't what people are portraying it as. However, I was I was leery about it when it was first put into place, mainly because that is so subjective. If you teach about slavery and somebody and, and, and one of the white kids feels like they're guilty for it, then. I mean, these are uncomfortable topics. Yeah. Um, I agree that things have to be age appropriate, but at the same time, this is a slippery slope. I also didn't like that he applied it to universities, pri private colleges, private businesses. No, not okay. And this is, again, that slippery slope to authoritarianism. I mean, there's authoritarianism on the left, but I think people on the right don't see it on their own side when it's happening. I mean, even with this college, college thing, if somebody wants to take a class on intersectionality, if there's a demand for it, then the government should not be able to tell you that you can't take that class. If you don't like that they're teaching it, don't take the class. It goes back to personal autonomy, like Amani was saying. If you don't like the class, don't take it. If you don't like the university, go to a different one. There are plenty of universities in Florida and all across the country. I mean, I just I just wrote on a story about them um, removing an exhibit at the Bradenton campus of, 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 a, of a state college because it included stuff about diversity or reproductive rights or whatever. I mean, in some of the other exhibits, the same thing. They took them down because they might run afoul of that law and they said that it might be offensive to some people. No, if it's offensive to you, don't look at it. You know what? Use your speech to counter that speech. So to me, it's like I'm seeing them go way in the opposite direction. It's scary as hell to me because there is a lot of people applauding this stuff, you know, and, you know, and going to the parental rights and education bill that I had less of a problem with because I, I don't think it's necessary to be teaching kids seven years, years old and younger about sexuality, heterosexuality or homosexuality or what otherwise all sexuality that has to be age appropriate. But when it comes to the race stuff, that's where it gets a, a lot more sticky. Even this whole kerfuffle over the African-American studies. Again, people were lying about it. They, they were saying, oh, he's canceling black history. That's not true. But I don't I don't necessarily agree that some of those things shouldn't be taught. I, I don't mind older high school kids learning about reparations and the debate around it. Uh, so there's a lot of nuance here. But I think some people are doing these things because they want to appeal to their base because they might be running for president soon. I think mm -hmm. that's a lot of what's figuring into this. You, you don't mean Governor DeSantis, though, right? You're, you're hinting <laughs> at this entire. I, I, right? I, yeah, I'm talking about Ronnie D. Yes, I'm talking about him and, and, mm -hmm. and others. Authoritarianism is authoritarianism. I don't care what side it's on. It's wrong. And, so and Andrew, I wanted to I wanted to just say something because you misunderstood yeah, me. I know that they are teaching and it's mandated to teach. My point being two things. One, if you don't, there's a book called um, Hitler's Willing Executioners by Donald Goldenhagen. He's a professor, used to be a professor at Harvard University, who actually re-embraced his Jewishness after doing the history about anti-Semitism and how Germans didn't just wake up hating Jews uh, when Hitler became chancellor. And um, it's very, very, you know, interesting, you know, read if you if you like the psychology Sobering, and prejudice yeah. and hatred and anti-Semitism. And yeah. it's a very hard read. It's a big read. But, you know, it's very interesting. So, yeah, here, here's here's the thing that, you know, I was saying, um, one, that could lead to that, that that's what it leads to. If you're not going to talk about how sorry, although there were Germans that saved the German soldiers in the camp were killing these people of which approximately 11 million died and approximately 6 million were Jews. Uh, then eventually that could lead to no teaching about the Holocaust. There's a huge segment of the population of the world that are Holocaust deniers. There are children in this country that are not taught about the Holocaust. 
or don't know about the Holocaust. There are polls all the time that show kids that have no no knowledge of that. And I'm just using that as an example. It could be the same thing with slavery. If we're trying to pretty up history by not placing blame on anybody because of skin color, then we're going to eventually erase history, hence the slippery slope. You know, I know the um, I appreciate that. Thank you uh, for the clarifying the one of the things that I know uh, the governor has said kind of it's not his bill, obviously, but, you know, he's certainly uh, I I read him as being in support of it that, um, you know, institutions of higher learning have gone so far over to what he would call the woke agenda or leftism or identity politics, you know, all of these things that this is really an effort to kind of bring back the public university to being something that's supposed to be productive, that's supposed to be useful, as opposed to being an indoctrination center. Now, you don't have to agree with him about that, but, you know, I taught for a long time at higher education. I taught for 10 years at the college level. And, you know, as a conservative, I was in the teeny tiny little minority of the professors. And I know professors whose stated goal or not stated, but certainly was their agenda was trying to persuade students to move to their point of view on these things. So what I read in these bills is an effort to, you know, rebalance to a degree, some of that stuff. Now, maybe it's a very clumsy way of doing it. Maybe it's an ineffective, maybe you can't do it. And maybe it costs too much academic freedom. Well aware of all those concerns, but I think that's at least the goal that he's trying to accomplish. Amani, your thoughts? We haven't had heard from you yet on this. I just think that, again, it's none of his or anybody else's business how people choose to learn and what. And and that's where we're getting with all of these laws, particularly the ones that are happening in Florida. They're taking away people's ability to think freely for themselves. And they're also putting too much weight in the opinions of their own selves. Like, for instance, I hate to break it to you. Gay is not contagious. I can't stand men. I wish to God I was a lesbian. Unfortunately, I'm not. I can't go into, you know, some little corner and do a spell and watch two girls kiss and turn into a lesbian. That's not how it works. Okay. I thought if I that was do, the formula. That's I not the formula. <laughs> I don't know anything. Monty, there are clearly a lot of men who are trying to be lesbians because they want to watch those two women kiss. And, you know, they think they're hoping maybe, you know. It don't work like that. And that's what I want people to understand. And again, the for the party that claims to freedom, freedom. Okay, they're screaming freedom to the by the way, people can't see it, but your Florida face is fantastic. So that's how it looks to me. Okay. (laughs) And give people freedom. You can have the freedom to do whatever you want. If you don't want to learn about any of these things, if you don't want to be gay, if you don't want to learn about black history, if you don't want to learn about the Holocaust. Do you boo and I'm going to do me. What, let people learn what they want to learn. It's not the government's place to put a barrier between education. And you see, they move the goalpost every time. First, it was like Jeff said, it's with the kids. Oh, I don't want the kids knowing about this. Now you're going into universities. Tell the truth and shame the devil. What is your true agenda here? It's authoritarianism. Just say it. They want us to live in the hunger. Uh, you mean like in states where they tell women they have to wear sleeves? Hunger Games. I find okay. it interesting. I find it interesting. The Taliban is terrible. They make women wear burqas. Really? By the, by the way, uh, something you you guys may Maybe not odds know. Be ever in your favor. That's right. The K through three prohibition on teaching of sexuality, Jeff, that you mentioned in last year's parental rights bill. Uh, there's now been a bill filed to expand that to K through eight. I so, saw that. You know, that's not passed, but a Republican did file it. And with the three quarters Republican legislature, you know, it's fairly likely. Great. And can, I, so can I just say something? Yeah, go on. Uh, sorry. I do think a lot of this is fear. 
I do think that a lot of conservatives are afraid of their children being gay or trans. And they're afraid if they're it's sort of like if we don't say it, don't say gay, then, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy and Janie, you know, won't be a gay man or a lesbian woman or trans or, you know, want to cross dress. I, I, re- I really do think a lot of it is fear and, and, and ignorance because, you know, obviously um, you're you're not going to become gay because you learn about an LGBTQ issue. Well, we always like to end with something that's totally light and silly and frivolous. If we can, I'm going to give you the opportunity here. We've only got a minute or two left, but I was reading an article today about a company that will help you come up with a more artistic signature or one that fits your personality better. One that is not quite so much of a doctor's scribble. If you're embarrassed about your signature, they'll try to art up your signature. So my question for you, let's start with you, Amani. Do you judge people by their signature? And are you proud of your own signature? I am proud of my signature because I have three names. So writing out all three of my names. And then if you see my last name, it's very long. So I've mastered the art of a cute little uh, initial based signature. Um, I do have issues with people who just scribble and don't put any letter, at least of the word. A scribble is not a signature. That's my smile. I, I feel very um, it's a hurtful thing for you to say about me, uh, even though you didn't know, know it. Uh, Jeff, are you proud of your signature? You know, Amani, I feel personally attacked. I mean, <laughs> for, for, first, you say you hate men and that now I can't scribble my signature. Come on now. <laughs> I'm super uttered right now. Definitely. Wesley, are you uh, are you proud of your signature? Do you judge people by their signature? Amani, I'm married to a doctor. It's a prerequisite that they scribble. And they can't read anything. Come on, girl. Um, they teach that in medical school. <laughs> so she's just hating all of us. Or at least my uh, husband. Um, I um I could care less about my signature. Um, is that okay to say we're in a digital age? What's Absolutely. a signature? Um, uh, okay, my my signature. I everybody can now like plagiarize. My children certainly can. Um, I do an L, like the L on Laverne's sweater. Oh, nice. Because my real name is not Leslie Marshall. Marshall is my father's middle name. And I have Leslie, my maiden name and my married name. And it's too long. And I would end up scribbling. Uh, So, yes, (laughs) I just do the L. But everybody kind of knows, you know, that's me. But I don't really I don't know. I don't even sign for stuff anymore. I just click on my computer, the automatic signature. So. Well, I I will confess, I hate to confess, but I will confess that uh, I have a very scribbled signature that is, I mean, it takes me, it's the fastest I can possibly do it is why it exists. And yet, weirdly, I judge people for their bad signatures. I know that's hypocrisy, but I'm I'm living it right now. Well, uh, folks, it was really good talking with you today. Leslie Marshall, Amani Wells and Yoha and Jeff Charles, thanks for a great conversation. I really appreciate it. We'll see you next time on The Debate. Being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. 
Wow. She's like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The Parting Shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling, and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek Podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.